What's up, Dub Nation? This is your host, Sam Orlick, here of the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a Sports Ethos presentation. Dub Nation, we're back in business. Warriors taking care of business Monday night, beating the Boston Celtics at home. 104-94 was the final score. We're going to be getting into all of that and more. I've got a special guest coming on to the show today, Naomi. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hey, Naomi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? good anyways let's uh let's talk some warriors here yeah um what a game and what a momentum swing here Uh, yeah uh before we get into all of that though i was curious kind of coming into this series against against the boston celtics like what were your thoughts and what were you kind of feeling coming into all of this before we even you know, really got into it. Yeah. When the Celtics won game seven against the heat, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous. Um, you know, a lot of teams have size against the warriors, but the warriors are so good at using their agility to break down other teams size, but the Celtics, I have always thought with Tatum and smart and Brown, they use their size, but they also have agility. They're more like Kevin Durant's, which scared me just given how small we are. So I definitely thought it was going to be a tough series uh, and would have preferred the heat for a matchup, but I thought it was going to be fun to watch no matter what. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's pretty spot on. I think, you know, I, I too was, Hoping for Miami, but New Boston would be the better opponent, make for a more enjoyable or more competitive series. I definitely had the Celtics pegged in the first round as the team to beat. Yeah. Um, and even over the last few years, you know, we only played the Celtics once or twice a year. So those have been some of the more competitive regular season matchups. Um, one thing that surprised me in this series not necessarily in any one specific game is the Celtics inability to stop Stephen Curry, uh, which we really didn't see them being able to do anything to slow him down until game five, this most recent game. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of the people then last night were saying, you know, this is why they didn't try to face guard Steph Curry and stop Steph Curry because the Warriors have so much other talent. And I think that that's what I've always appreciated about the Warriors is that they have this all-star power in Stephen Curry, but he could care less about his game stats. He's more about just as long as the team gets the W. So when his shots weren't falling last night, he found other people that could make it happen. And I mean, Wiggs had a hell of a game. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, Steph Curry has always been seen as undersized, but he's bulked up and he just is... And he is Steph Curry. He is the man. He's unstoppable right now. <laughs> there's just, there's nothing else. I got no words for it. Yeah. Curry, third leading scorer after the incredible um, game four performance. Uh, 16 points for Curry on the night that you had Wiggins with 26, Clay Thompson with 21, Gary Payton the second with 15, Jordan Poole with 14. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, Gary exactly. Payton's were quiet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but it's all easy shots at the rim, right? And that's what you're talking about. That Yeah, he hit one three, I think. Yeah, one for three from three for Peyton. Um, yeah. And that's what makes the Warriors so dangerous. When you try and take away Curry by face guarding him or blitzing him or double teaming him to get the ball out of his hands, the Warriors are so good at taking that advantage, turning it into a four on three, three on two, two on one, whatever, in a half court set and just getting layups. And so you're right in that Boston really wanted to do everything in their power to not let the Warriors do that because then it's just layups. It's just a layup line. doesn't matter how well you're shooting or not. Guys are just getting open looks under the hoop. And then Peyton and Kevon Looney just have so much patience as finishers that even when you have Robert Williams lurking, uh, Derek White, Marcus Smart, I mean, the Celtics have legit above the rim athletic uh, athleticism um guys who can get you know three four or five blocks in a game and single-handedly but just yeah. having the patience negating the shot blocking um or one of them baits baits the uh, rim protector and then passes it off to the other and it's just easy money yeah one well, everybody's been talking about draymond green prior to last night's game and how he hasn't been showing up on the stat sheet and i will definitely say you know i love draymond green I will stand behind Draymond Green until I'm blue in the face. Uh, He definitely was not at his peak in the first four games, I would say. But then you look at his game last night, and he was doing what the Warriors need him to do. He still didn't put up huge numbers, but that's not his job. He distributes the ball. He played spot on defense. And he, you know, he had that one fake handoff that gave him that wide open dunk. And that's what he's meant to do. So I think just the way that they pick up, you know, I think that the Warriors are so good at picking apart defenses and seeing that they're going to face guard Steph Curry, then we'll get the other guys going. Andrew Wiggins is going to just tear you apart. Draymond Green will show up when necessary. He had that dime to Peyton that gave him the easy layup. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't work face guarding Steph Curry. Steph Curry's line was not what you want for Steph Curry if you're a stats person, but it got him the W and everybody else's stats were phenomenal. So, Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Green scored all eight of his points in the first quarter, which is fine for me. He set the tone at the start of the game, and that's one thing the Warriors... Um, not necessarily against Boston. It's been kind of hit or miss, but throughout the playoffs, they've been a really slow, slow team in first quarters, getting behind early and taking a little bit of time to kind of wake up or shake off the rust or just get engaged. So mm-hmm. for Draymond to come out and score eight after he had um, some pretty lackluster lines from from a scoring perspective in, in the past two games, that was really great. And yeah. and yeah, Steph Curry, seven of 22 from the field, 0 for 9 from three, actually his record of 233 consecutive games with at least one three-pointer made came to an end. Um, wild. Which is just insane. I think he he has the record for the previous stat, which is like 130-something. <laughs> so, um, you know, he had a nice little comment post-game talking about it, obviously a little bitter about it, but I'm pretty sure he'll take the win as their one win closer to becoming uh, four-time NBA champions. And uh, now it'll just be time to start a new a new three point record. He exactly. nearly had that one in the fourth too. It's just like he the did. closing minutes, and he thought he had it too. He kind of yeah. turned away like it was in, and and you could see him go to the bench and kind of laugh and talk with the assistant coaches, like shaking his head. 
Yeah. And we'd all be singing a different tune had the outcome not been what it was. But the fact that, you know, he definitely carried them in game four. And so I think it was just a nice overall win for other people to really show up and Clay to start getting hot and to show up more. And his defense has been looking better and better. Um, So that just, and I mean, Steph even showed up on defense this game without all the threes. So I think it just really was an all around standout performance. And Boston definitely shot themselves in the foot a fair amount with their turnovers, because I think in pretty much every other stat, they were up against the Warriors, but it was the turnovers. And as you were talking about the patience of the Warriors that just kept them in it and that, you know, championship mentality that they talk about so much, that championship DNA. Yeah, uh, 47-39 in rebounds, edge to the Celtics, uh, 18-23 assists, edge Warriors. Um, But then, yeah, turnovers were 18-6, to which was really surprising for the Warriors, only six turnovers. And a few of them were careless. I think in the first quarter when Looney checked in, Mm -hmm. um, there was like a weird play where Looney thought Steph was going to go back and get the ball and stuff was kind of cutting back door and they just had like a weird miscommunication out of bounds turnover that you rarely yeah. see from them. So there were, and then Clay Thompson did like something silly too, where he like dribbled it off his foot. He's had, he's had a few of those throughout these playoffs that are just kind of head scratchers for me. Um, but the fact that they only had six, is just incredible. Six turnovers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they talk about the pace with both the Celtics and the Warriors that you're going to get the turnovers, but the Warriors are just showing up when it's, important and making it matter showing that showing their toughness and their grit and I just you know the fact that Gary Payton came back at all after his injury and the way that he's been playing and talk about being undersized he just I don't think he gets enough credit given all the stars that he's surrounded by but he has just been a stud in the series yeah Payton has been incredible uh, and you can see by the minutes, he was the um, sixth most played minutes on the team. So you had uh, Wiggins play 42, Draymond play 35, Clay played 39, Steph played 37, and Peyton played 26. The next closest wow. was Looney at 16 and Otto Porter at 15 and Jordan okay. Poole at 15. So yeah, I mean, Steve Kerr's old school. He loves himself some defenders, and Peyton, Peyton can basically defend anyone. You see him on Tatum, on Horford, Robert Williams. I mean, he's just got that incredible wingspan, the athleticism, really smart, super aggressive. He can grab rebounds. He knows when to kind of take it upon himself to make a play versus kind of wait for the team. Yeah, uh, he has the IQ for sure. Yeah, just really a really nice compliment. Uh, com- uh, his skill set just really complements everyone else. And I mean, I think Steph Curry is underrated as a defender, definitely. In the last few years, as he's bulked up and gotten a lot stronger, he does get beat. He does have mental lapses, mental lapses at times, but he also does a really, got, really good job playing in the passing lane. Sure, when Marcus yeah. Smart's going downhill and they're playing one-on-one, like, yeah, Curry's not going to be able to do that much, but he does come up with a lot of big defensive plays throughout the game in different situations. Um, he's it's just so not true. necessarily, like, your point-of-attack defender. Right. Well, and it's interesting even, like, with him and Poole on the court, just seeing the difference, because I feel like even a few years ago, Steph was more like Poole because of his size and just, you know, 
not totally the age difference because I think that Curry has always been better than Pool, but I just think that as far as the size and seeing some of the lapses that Pool has reminds me of Curry before he bulked up and before some of the championship status. Uh, so it's interesting to see that difference on the court and just really see right there how far Curry has come. Yeah, and also to see that, you know, Jordan Poole can get there too. So I'm not worried, totally. even though Poole's been hunted a lot in this Boston matchup, as you'd kind of expect, like whatever weaknesses that you have in your game get exposed. Um, I think this has just been incredible experience for Jordan Poole, who in the Den- going back to their first round Denver series really looked like, honestly, like one of the better warriors on the team, even compared to like Thompson and Curry, just mm-hmm. for how much confidence he was playing with and how he was um at times leading us in scoring with just insane efficiency like putting up 14 shots and hitting eight nine ten of them and and scoring 30 points so sure that changes as you get deeper into the playoffs and um i think that he'll have some good film to work on the coaching staff with and, and try and continue to improve his game but that those uh end of third quarter threes from jordan Poole um have just been insane Yeah. And I mean, the one yesterday seemed less of a prayer that seemed more like a likely make for him, but talk about a momentum swing that just seemed to take the air out of Boston. That seemed to kind of be the uh, dagger that really, cause you know, Golden State had been owning third quarters and they definitely didn't yesterday, but then that shot by pool took them right into the fourth and they just kept on keeping on. Yeah, 100%. Um, Warriors gave up the 16-point lead. Boston took the lead. And then it kind of ended with the Warriors taking the lead back off of that Jordan Pool 3. So that was a huge momentum swing. Warriors had to feel pretty good being up one going into the fourth quarter. Totally. Well, and I think one of the things that I think is so great about the Warriors' depth and what you were saying with Pool is that it's not even just about looking at the tape, but between Draymond and Andre and the coaching staff, they do such good in-game coaching. And so you see changes happening in-game. And so, uh, you know, Poole started driving more and seeing that opening and not just taking threes. And there was talk of hunting Derek White, just like they were hunting Poole. And so I just think that the younger guys on this team, you know, Andre is not getting very many minutes, but his coaching, I think, is so invaluable uh and we'll never know exactly what's being said on the sidelines but I just think having that presence and knowing that he and Draymond are going to walk you through it and they're there to support you is huge and I know that a lot of the younger guys have talked about it so I think that that just really speaks about the championship DNA and the motivation to win over the individual stats yeah that's a great point and not even the young guys I mean how many how many people would Curry like go to in game to get like some input, right? Yeah. Andre is definitely on that short list of people who, and you'll see them kind of talking at times if Curry is kind of struggling or whatever. Andre will kind of pull pull him aside and you know saying whatever, offer whatever he has to say. But they have his ear, you know they they respect what he has to say, and and that's really why they signed him and he's there and available. Sure. It would have been great if he could have been a little bit more healthy and, and more available, but the Warriors have had so many pieces and options for Steve Kerr to roll out there that just having him on the bench with the experience that he has is, is invaluable. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I think that it, it's been interesting. The auto Porter sub for Looney starting the game. Um, it's worked for sure, but it's just interesting because you have Steve Kerr is normally so like, he'll definitely play the hot hand, but guys have their rhythms. Um, and so it's interesting because he only plays like three or four minutes to start and then subs Looney in. So I'm not sure if it's to rattle Boston's offense or to get the Golden State's offense going more. Uh, it's to help Draymond with the spacing. Okay. So it's yeah. it's the problem is the because Boston has the length at the rim, at least in their uh-huh. starting five, Draymond's really struggled because he doesn't have a mismatch to attack the rim. And then Boston is so good defensively that he can't just sit at the top of the key and um, orchestrate the offense. So they're, they Boston's basically playing Draymond to shoot. And so by putting Otto Porter out there, you, you um, increase the floor spacing, even though Otto Porter, Otto Porter struggled, except for the, like, I think it was game one when he hit four threes, when he was like four or five from three, since then he's struggled from three or just really from the field, but just having him out there as a threat mm-hmm. um, for three or four minutes is just a way to help enable Draymond. And in this case, I think in this game five, it worked because Draymond oh, yeah. got eight points. So it's just, it's just for a little bit of, of floor spacing, but I do love me some Kevon Looney. I think he's been uh, the most consistent warrior this season. If you count from start of the season to where oh, we yeah. are now in the postseason, For sure. Which is why I find it so interesting that, uh, Steve Kerr made the switch, but it's, I mean, it's worked and Otto Porter has put in good minutes. I think even when he's been struggling, you know, as you said, he, it helps out and we saw a difference definitely in last night's game. So that's great. I've been a little surprised. We haven't seen Kaminga at all when the Warriors have struggled just for his mere size, uh, just to change things up when, it seems like everything else or like when nothing is working, it seemed like giving him a shot because he played good minutes in other series. Uh, so I don't know if Kerr just didn't like any of the matchups he saw with Kaminga or thought that there was too much at stake, but that's something that I don't know that we'll see in game six, barring something crazy. Um, and we have seen him, you know, in some garbage minutes at the end of a few games, but I just talking about the Warriors being, uh, undersized that he could be an option. Yeah, I think you know Steve Kerr doesn't doesn't like to play rookies or guys with without a lot of experience. So that's playing against Kaminga. I do think if there was a time to maybe see how Kaminga matches up, it would have been like in game one or two. Obviously, okay. you lose game one, pressures on to win game two, um, and we went got down early two one. So it does make sense on paper that the Warriors struggled, you know, above the rim with athleticism matching up with Boston and you'd maybe put in the more most athletic player on the team to see what he can do. But Kaminga has just shown flashes, but he's never put together a consistent effort defensively. And I think that's what Steve Kerr has been really trying to figure out this whole series is just yeah. Defense, defense, defense. He doesn't care about the offense. The offense is going to come. It's all about, and we just saw it in this game five, right? The Warriors shot nine of 40 from three as a team, but still had 10 more field goals. And Boston shot twice as many free throws, 21 for 31 versus 13 for 15. 
um, but it was the 18 turnovers. And then on those turnovers, the Warriors just got dunks and layups. And so, sure, Kaminga probably, and, you know, Draymond, we're seeing Draymond a little bit past his prime, not being the above the rim defender that he was um, the last time that the Warriors were in the finals. I mean, Draymond used to be the kind of guy that you'd expect to get three, four blocks a game. And he does get some pretty incredible close out to a three-point shooter and block a shot, but he's not really getting the right at the rim um, shot blocking that we saw when he was a little bit more um, fresh. And so sure, maybe Kaminga has a couple highlight real blocks, but he also gets burned a lot um, and he has trouble staying locked in. So I think that was the thinking there is just too much on the line, hasn't proven himself yet and not really feeling um, risky enough to roll him (laughs) out there and see how it goes. But I do love Kaminga. I think Kaminga's got incredible ceiling and floor as a young player. I'm really happy that they drafted him. And, um, you know, at times throughout the regular season, he was, he was kind of unstoppable, right? Whether he was starting or coming off the bench, he just put his head down, get to the free throw line, finished inside so nicely, um, you know, able to hit an outside shot, hit a three, make some plays. Uh, I liked all the young players. Moses Moody was really good as well. Yes. Um, So I think that the Warriors have, an incredibly bright future with some of this young talent that they've got. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Wiggins just has really been steady Eddie. Uh, he had a lackluster, perhaps second half of the season, but has shown up in the postseason for sure. And just on both ends, I mean, Clay has showered him on his defense say, saying what, it, how nice it is for Clay to not have to, beyond the best guard. Uh, but it just, I mean, that really showed up last night and has been showing up consistently. Yeah. Wiggins, in my opinion, is the sec has been the second best player on the yeah. Warriors this, uh, this postseason. just everything he's been doing has just been absolutely incredible. And it's interesting because he hasn't been able to hit a three for his life lately, but right. he's still finding so many ways to be successful. Um, in this series against Boston, he's, uh, He's only shooting 25% from three on like five and a half attempts. So um, you just think how much easier this all would be if he was shooting closer to that 40% that he was putting up through the regular season. Um, And I was a little disappointed too, after we got all-star starter Wiggins, he did kind of take a little bit of a nosedive from a, from a consistency consistency standpoint offensively. I mean, the defense was always there. So that was never in question. Um, I think he just got tired. I mean, I mean, he's playing the most minutes right. in this series. So, uh, we, you know, Steve Kerr asked a lot of him, has been asking a lot of him uh, because we really need him out there right. all the time. Uh, yes. He's basically on the floor whenever Jason Tatum's on the floor. Right. Well, it's interesting. I think the three became less pivotal. It's helpful for sure. But having Clay back hitting more, I think, makes Andrew Wiggins three less pivotal. Uh, and as we've seen, you know, he's finding so many other ways to score and is a threat in so many other ways. And I don't know the actual percentage, but his free throw seemed to have his percentage I'm, must have increased from the regular season. So that is good because if he's driving and getting the and ones or getting the free throws and getting at least 50 to 75 percent of those, then that's helping out for sure. Yeah, he's at 69% this series, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. 1.8 out of 2.6. So not bad. I think in the regular season, he was shooting in the low 50s at one point. Yeah. Uh, 
and yeah, I think especially if teams decide to blitz or face guard Curry, um, and you've got Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole out there. I mean, Wiggins is is getting like the third string defender, or not third string, but third best defender on the team. And so what we saw in game five was like a lot of Derek White, and Wiggins just took him to the poster. I mean, White yeah. can't do anything to stay in front of Wiggins. I mean, that right. that was such an authoritative dunk that he had. Um, he was like on the left, uh, the left wing and he just took white right to the hoop and rised up and just such an incredible dunk. And you just see his explosiveness. And so that's why the Celtics really didn't want to try and face guard Curry because then it just opens up everything else and everyone gets these easy looks. Um, but I understand on the Celtics side because you just gave up forty plus points from Curry. So what are you gonna yeah. do? Go into go into like pivotal game five and let him do it again? Like you got to do something else. Yeah, and you know people are saying that you're just gonna let the best shooter of all time get away with going zero for nine, and it's like, well, yes, because first of all they won, and also he had assists and showed up on defense and was doing everything else. And he wasn't pressing, you know, shooters are going to keep shooting, but it's not like he was 0 for 18. He took a few deep threes that he normally makes and took some quick threes that he, again, normally go in, but he wasn't hunting for shots. He was giving what the defense was taking him and the rest of the team was also giving what the defense was giving them. And so it all worked out. And as you said, I mean, he had an incredible streak, so it was going to have to end at some point. And after you show up for 43 points and really, really carried the team on your back, you just are excited that you got the game five win, I think. Right. One, one stat that's interesting. And I know this, uh, this plus minus stats, a little controversial in small sample sizes, but, um, Steph Curry in game four, 43 points, it was only a plus 11, uh-huh. um, but in with his 16 points in game five, he's actually a plus 15. So yeah, it just kind of speaks to what you're saying and the Warriors system. Um, it's not focused on just one guy. Sure, I think through the first three or four games of this series with Celtics, it really looked like, you know, we needed Curry to carry us because everyone was struggling, um, not named Curry, but when everyone shows up and starts hitting shots, I mean, you had, um, you know, five guys in double figures and your best players, your third, your third best score. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I just, I feel like Tatum and Brown are carrying a very heavy load on the other side. And if they're not scoring, if they're not each scoring 30 plus a game, then it's just not going to happen. And to leave 10 at the line in a finals game. I mean, that was the point differential at the end. So that's huge. Um, Yeah. I mean, after game one, when you had smart white and Horford hit all those threes, I was like, good Lord. All right. First of all, if they shoot like that this series, that's a wrap. I mean, you're just not going to beat many teams that just shoot that well from three. But second of all, I was like, these guys aren't volume scorers. Um, they're role players, they can step up, but I don't expect them to shoot like that throughout the series. And sure enough, you know, their offense kind of dwindled um, at times and, you know, Tatum's averaging 41 minutes a game in this, in this final series and Jalen Brown's at 38 minutes. So 
Um, the Celtics just have a much shorter, a much shorter bench rotation, relying much heavier on their stars. And so that's what you start to see in the fourth quarters. Um, if the game is close and, it, and it's, you know, less than five minutes left in the game, like they don't have, they don't have the legs, their shots are short, they're missing free throws. Um, they're turning it over, but if they're feeling good in like the first two or three minutes of the fourth quarter, like we saw a few times, they, they blew us out. So it's interesting to see that um, when they were locked in and engaged that they were able to do so well, like at the beginning of fourth quarters, but if we were able to hang in to like the second half of the fourth quarter, they just ran out of gas and they just didn't have um, as many options. And they're just, you know, they're still a young team. This is, this is these guys is, you know, really first, time being on this stage at the finals and this is the process this is what it takes this is what you have to go through it's really really hard to beat the golden state warriors yeah most definitely it's also interesting uh just you know having a series versus playing one game because the warriors have faced a few teams who just have hit fire from the three-point line that don't normally hit fire. And in one game in the season, it can flip the standings. But in a series, you know, it's unlikely that Horford is going to hit a ridiculous amount of threes every game. Um, Right, six threes, which he's never done in his career before. (laughs) Right, yeah. Like, that's just not going to happen seven games over and over. So it just you let it happen one game and you shake it off and you keep on keeping on and you let the averages do what they will. And I think that, you know, just like Steph not making a single three last night, the averages are going to shake out. He'll have a monster game six or he'll have an average Curry game six. And but yeah, when you play a series, everything is going to work out as it should. So so what are you thinking here as we're uh, back in Boston for game six on Thursday? You think the Warriors are going to be able to close it out? Or are you expecting kind of a bounce back performance from uh, Boston? You know, I think that Boston felt like they had the reins when they took control in the third quarter of last night's game. And to lose it, I think that it took all the momentum out of their sale. I think that they will show up. I think that they will play a tough game. But I think that as we've talked about, they're Tatum and Brown, they're tired. I think the Warriors have kind of figured them out. Um, I feel like the Celtics have tried everything on defense. And if they're face guarding Steph Curry, other guys are heating up. If they're not face guarding Steph Curry, he's going off. So it's going to be a tough match, but I think the Warriors are going to close it out and just use their championship DNA to not play a game seven and just to bring it home. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. That was, that was the Celtics ace in the hole was to blitz Curry. So I don't see them being able to make any kind of new adjustments defensively to try and stifle the Warriors. I think the Warriors have kind of figured out the Celtics. Now I think you're going to get a big bounce back game from Steph Curry, who typically doesn't go over from the three point line. Um, consecutive games, uh, in fact, 233 times. (laughs) So, you know, and and I think I just would like it not to come back to a game seven because, you know, game sevens, anything can happen. You know, you kind of throw everything out the window. So we'd really love to see the Warriors close it out in six. Um, Maybe we'll get the the game six clay 
going yeah. and uh, Clay will have a big breakout moment. I mean, he, like you said, his defense has improved over Jalen Brown. I think we saw some good adjustments from him in, in game five, his shooting's been more consistent. So um, Clay has been locked in. It would be great to see Clay maybe have that like 30, 40 point kind of explosion that he can kind of in, really enjoy being back in the stage, but also, he could also just score 15 and play really good defense. And that's fine too. I mean, there's just, it, we don't need one guy to step up for this team to be successful. And that's the nicest yeah. thing that they all pull for each other. Everyone, everyone wants everyone to be successful. You just want to get the win and, uh, and enjoy that success as a team. It's so true. I do think we will see uh, longer minutes for guys that Steve Kerr is going to kind of sell out for game six. And that if somebody has got a hot hand that, they might not see their normal rotation minutes um, that, you know, Jordan Poole might be on a shorter string if he's being beat defensively and Steph Curry might play more minutes than normal. Uh, Wiggins might be pushed even farther. So I think that that will be a change because I think that the Warriors don't want it to come back either as nice as it is to win on home court. I think, you know, as you said, game sevens are always dicey. So if it's looking like we can close it out. Then I think Steve Kerr will go all in and play the hot hand. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally. Um, one kind of side story I wanted to share that was funny. I'm not sure if you heard about uh, fake clay before yes. uh, game five. So um, this guy, apparently his, uh, his Twitter handles at big Dawes TV. And uh, this guy shows up to, chase before game five uh walked through five layers of security guards who willingly let him pass through security without asking for an id and then started to take shots on the court for about 10 minutes before he finally gets caught um escorted out of the arena and uh now i guess apparently he's going to be banned for life from uh, chase um the picture is absolutely hilarious though because I mean, he's not Clay Thompson, but he looks pretty <laughs> close to it. He's got the goatee. Um, just super funny story that this guy uh, was able to do that. And also just a little bit of a, a poke at the chase security, I guess, for not really realizing who Clay Thompson really is and not asking this guy for NID and letting him walk all the way through. Yeah. I mean, that's been the big rip is like, why is he getting banned? Because security didn't do their job, it seems a little extreme, uh, but an interesting story for sure. When I wonder if other people are going to uh, try to follow suit or if security will learn their lesson and tighten up, but it was. Yeah. I kind of think it was a one and done thing. Yeah. It was was funny. (laughs) Yeah. He was a little salty, this guy Dawes, but then he came back later and said that, um, you know, he's been contacted by a lot of news organizations to do interviews. He doesn't want to do any interviews. He doesn't want to make it a bigger deal than it is. Uh, the Chase Center has every right to ban me. I get it. No hard feelings. Had fun doing it. I mean, he's dressed up like Clay Thompson. So I get that he didn't show an ID and pretend to be him. But then at the same time, the intent was like, because as players, you're going through a different entrance than as fans. So right. um, I think, you know, he's he is claiming a technicality that he didn't do anything wrong. But I think in reality, it's like, no, dude, you're, you impersonated a player. Just be happy. You're not arrested. You know, you're banned from chase. Oh, well, but life goes on. Yes. Oh, cause he went, he went through the uh, employee entrance. That's yeah, right. Right. So interesting. Everybody wants their five seconds. 
Right. And I mean, I guess he got it, right? So yeah. <laughs> good for him. He sure did. Oh, man. I don't want to jinx anything. I'm like debating whether even saying anything, but uh, I'm having some PTSD ahead of time because last game six was when both Clay and I tore our ACLs. So, oh man, I'm like, <laughs> how's that going for you? Are you feeling like you're I'm recovered? I'm never going to uh, be Clay Thompson or be as recovered as he is, but I'm agile and moving around and everything. When it gets cold, I crackle and pop, snap, crackle and pop, as we say. But. Yeah, I'm finally past my, uh, my hamstring injury. So um, everything went, went well in my, my rehab. I actually played in a basketball league, um, recreational league this past, uh, um, this past spring. So that was my first time kind of getting back to the court in a competitive way. So talking about kickball injuries there. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we got time for today. Naomi, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on the pod. It was really great. Um, Hoping that we close this out on Thursday. Cool. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Good. Thanks so much. This was so fun. I'm always happy to talk sports. So anything you got. Let's go Dubs. Hey guys, real quick, before we sign off, for all you fantasy players out there, remember... There is no such thing as a fantasy offseason, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season's already underway. Our experts are already putting together important lessons learned and draft analysis on this incoming rookie class so that you, the listener, can get ahead on your draft prep. And we're also going to have incredible free agency and summer league coverage as well, but only if you're a part of our premium membership team. So head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, just cook yourself one more extra lunch per month because it's only $5.99. See you there. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, Sports Ethos presentation. If you haven't already, please give me some love over on the Twitter sphere. That's at S-D-O-R-L-I-K. Subscribe, rate, and review the show if you like what I'm doing here. Let's go, Dub Nation. Close out game. Big game six on Thursday. And once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the